This morning we're going to talk about, we're going to look a, a bit about mercy. The Lord directed me um, in this, uh, well, in this direction uh, to minister and then and then in my daily reading confirmed it. Um, so I know that the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. Our God is a merciful God. Time and time again. He has proved it with the children of Israel. He's proved it within our own lives. He is a merciful, merciful God. He worked with the children of Israel's stubbornness over many generations. And he works with our individual stubbornness today. But some people think that the mercy of God means that he accepts them just as they are. That no matter what they do, that he is merciful and looks past their wrongs. And that he will never judge them or punish them for their sins. And that that is God's gift to them and to the world. We looked at John 3.16 this morning. And if you look at that from the wrong perspective, you can think that God so loved us with an unconditional love that we don't have to do anything else. He just loves us and that he's going to save us. He's going to look past the things that we do. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Mercy doesn't work like that. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Psalm chapter 107. This psalm is really an exploration of God's mercy and what it's all about. Psalm chapter 107. And it starts, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And then the rest of the psalm goes into just how God's mercy does endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. That is the mercy of God in action. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned condemned the counsel of the Most High, Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and broke their bands in sunder. They brought it on themselves. They did the wrong thing. They they rejected God. But then when they called out to God again, his mercy was present. His mercy was available to to lift them up, to bring them back into the right place again. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. 
Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. There's a cause and a relationship between what we do and what we suffer. Not all of the time, but if we're going to do the wrong thing, then there are consequences that will come. Their soul abhors all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry out unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. They, because of their own transgression, their iniquities, they were afflicted. They, they, they had all sorts of things that they had to go through, but they cried out to the Lord again, and he saved them again. Mercy after mercy after mercy for the children of Israel. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. That they that go down to the sea in ships and do, that do great business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He makes the storm a calm so the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he brings them unto their desired haven. I believe that that passage is actually um, a prophecy about Jesus stilling the, the, the waters later on. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwells therein. If a nation goes against God, then there are consequences. There are judgments. He turns the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he makes the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffers not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He pours contempt upon princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet sets he the poor on high from affliction and makes him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Stalking about its exploring the people that follow God, the princes that don't, the poor that do, and the difference between their lives and between the blessings of God in their lives. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. The Lord's mercy is conditional. The Lord's mercy is not unconditional. Those that do the wrong thing need to come back to God for his mercy to be poured out, for his love to be poured out, for his grace to be poured out in their lives. So we know that God is merciful, but he doesn't look past wrongs. He does judge. He does punish for the things 
for, for those that go in the wrong direction. The problem is that we as the children of God, members of the church, can sometimes think that same way, even unconsciously. We know that God is a merciful God, that he loves us unconditionally, and we know that we are living in an age and a time of God's grace, where he's poured out grace and, and mercy upon people so that to give them an opportunity to come to him. And all of those things are true. But we can use all of those things to justify doing the wrong thing in our own minds and in our own hearts, even when we know it is the wrong thing. God is a God of love and mercy, so it won't matter if I do this. I know it's wrong. I know it's sin. But Jesus loves me and he'll forgive me. He knows me. He knows my heart. It will all be fine. The human mind and heart can use any excuse to justify themselves in their actions. But it has no weight with God at all. Sin is sin. Sin is wrong. And sin will bring judgment. God, in his mercy, will often not punish us immediately. Sometimes he will. But he usually extends his grace towards us and give us the time and the opportunity to repent so that he can bring us back to him and bless us again, put us on the right path, put us into his love and his grace and his mercy once again, instead of bringing a curse, bringing judgment into our lives. But what we really need to know, and the most important thing, is that God's mercy and God's grace in our situations is not in any way condoning our behavior or our attitudes or our actions. Just because his wrath isn't being poured out doesn't mean that God isn't angry with us and that he isn't disappointed in us and with us. The problem is that some people in the church as a whole and even in this church are using God's grace as a proof that he is happy and pleased with their behavior and their actions. After all, if God was unhappy or angry with me, he'd tell me, right? He loves me. He let me know because he loves me that much. When Jesus is actually showing his incredible mercy by not letting you know. Because if he let you know, it would be with anger and with wrath. And he's sparing you for a time because he loves you so much. Because you knew it was wrong, you knew in your heart that you shouldn't be doing it. And because there was no fire from heaven or swift judgment, it is taken as God's blessing on your life and on your actions. Because everything seems to be going the same way as you, as you were before when you were following God. And so you continue in them and get further and further away from God. Less able to hear the voice of Jesus in your life. It's like a spiral. All the while thinking that you've got away with it and even that Jesus is pleased with you and your actions. That is an incredibly warped perspective of mercy. And it leads to consequences in the end if you don't repent. God is a merciful and a gracious God, but that mercy and that grace is not forever or unconditional. Despite God's short-term mercy, sin will always bring judgment if it is not dealt with and repented of. Romans chapter 6 goes into that very thing. It says from verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
It should never happen. God forbid that it should happen. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then further down in verse 16 of Romans chapter 6, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. There are two paths that we can follow. One leads to God and the other leads to death. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness and to holiness. We have a choice. We have a choice. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us more than anything, more than we could ever begin to realize. He gave his life for us so that we could have a, an opportunity, a chance to come into his kingdom so we could be saved, just like Sister Emma talked this morning, that his unconditional love could be poured out upon us when we follow him and do the right thing. But his mercy and his love calls out to us when we do the wrong thing so he can bring us back and into, into his love and his grace again. When we look at the book of Revelation, there are warnings and, and basically an indication of, of, of each of the different seven different churches' health as uh, at the beginning of the book in, in Revelation 2 and the start of 3. But every single church that was doing the wrong thing There was a call to repent. There was a call to make things right. He didn't say to any of them that you've gone so far, I cannot bring you back. One of them, one of the churches, he said, you're dead. He said, there's no life left in you. But he still called out to them to repent. That is God's mercy and his grace. He did not excuse any of them. He said, well, you know, you're not doing the right thing. But, you know, that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll sort it all out in the end. No, his mercy and his grace reached out to every single one of those churches. Repent. Please repent. Please repent. Get back to me. Get back to your right relationship with me. That really shows the heartbeat of God. He didn't say to the worst church, there's no hope for you. But every time there was a problem in each church, he said, repent. Repent. He didn't leave them where they were. He let them know that they were on the wrong path. And he let them know how far down that path they were. But he called out to each and every one that had gone astray. That is the mercy and the grace of God. 
Mercy doesn't agree with and condone your actions and behavior. That's not mercy. Mercy calls out in love and grace to bring you home, back to where you need to be, back into the love and the grace of God in your life. And I really felt stirred to go through the parable of the prodigal son this morning. I believe the Lord really wants someone to hear this. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. He went as far away from his father as he possibly could to do the things that he just wanted to do. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, pigs. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. He had everything. He had his inheritance, but he wasted it. He gave it all away, basically. And when when it all came to it, he had nothing. And nobody was going to help him out in any way. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He was right. He wasn't worthy anymore. He spent all of his inheritance. He didn't have anything of his father's left with him. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. There was rejoicing. There was a celebration when this lost, dying, completely worthless son came back. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. The Lord wants you to know that if you come back to him, he's going to be right there. His love and his grace is going to be extended to you right again. All you have to do is come back. All you have to do is kneel before him. All you have to do He said, God, I'm sorry, I want to follow you once again. He calls out to us. He calls out to us because he loves us so much. That is the love of God. You can never do anything so bad or leave so bad that God won't bring you back into his love and his grace again. 
we can spit in God's face and do exactly what we want and live how we please. But when we repent, when we truly turn away from our sinful ways and our actions, he welcomes us back with open arms. There are people who say they're sorry when they get caught. And there are people who change their ways if they think they're going to get caught. But neither of those are true repentance. As soon as everything passes, they're back into the same things in the same way. Jesus is looking for a true change, a true about face, a true repentance in our lives. That is what the mercy of Jesus is all about. If I could get someone to the piano, please. God's love is unconditional, but his mercy is not unconditional. If you take nothing else away from this, then take that away. Because he never will condone our actions if they are not in line with the word of God. He will never say that it's okay. But in his mercy and his love and his grace, he calls out to us, And he calls us back to him again. And sometimes some of the things we go through is because of our own actions, our own disobedience. Sometimes God tries to give us a bit of a nudge, tries to help us to wake up to ourselves and the path that we're on. But because he loves us, because he has that unconditional love, he reaches out to us in mercy, wanting, desiring to extend that mercy and that grace to us. In the book of Psalms, we looked at the children of Israel and the pattern of rejecting him and being, going through horrible things and then crying out to him when they were at their lowest point. And every single time he reached out in mercy, saying, I love you, come back. And then he was able to bless them once again. And then they turned away from him once again. And they cried out to him. And he reached out and lifted them up again. And again. And again. Every single time. He loves us so much today, church. If you could stand with us, please. Jesus is reaching out to us this morning. If you've been finding you've been going down the wrong path, or if you have been presuming too much about God's love and His grace, then now is the time to come back to Him. He's already reaching out to you. If you just respond, He's already tugging at your heart. He's already drawing you closer to Him. If you just respond to Him this morning, then He will pour out His mercy and His grace. And his love in your life. He loves you this morning. He's already said it in the tongues and interpretations. But he loves us too much to let us go our own way. Just like the prodigal son, if you will come to him. Whether you're at the lowest point of your life or not, now is the time to respond to his word this morning. So I invite you to come. I can feel the presence of the Lord really, really drawing people this morning. Just respond to him because he loves you. Don't be afraid. Don't think of what other people might think. 
but just respond to his drawing and his grace and his love towards you this morning because he does love you. Come and receive the mercy of the Lord this morning. Won't you come?